morning's Bible reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 8 and we're going to be reading the, I'm going to be reading the NIV version. So 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second was Abjah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now, appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king that you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be just like the other nations with a king to lead us, and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, "Go, Everyone go back to your own town. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning to you if you're here or you if you're watching online. We're going to pray, 
And we're going to ask God that he's going to reveal to us what is he saying in his word this morning? What is he saying uh, in his scripture from 1 Samuel 8? So pray with me wherever you are. Heavenly Father, as we look at this word, we ask for your spirit to illuminate it for us. Show us, Lord, what is your word saying? What does it mean for us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it is Valentine's Day. I love that the band is wearing, see the cool little flowers? Very nice, boys. Very nice. Uh, and I thought, seeing Valentine's Day as a Sunday doesn't come around all the time, we should at least, it's probably a good excuse to talk about who was this St. Valentine. Um, it is a bit dodgy, the history. I mean, the history is not, I mean, there was history. I just don't know what the actual history was. But I'll tell you what the, one of the stories is. One of the stories is. Turns out, St. Valentine, does anyone care? Does anyone interested? Do you ever think about that? I don't know. We're going to do it anyway. Um, turns out he was a bishop of Italy. Uh, sorry, a bishop in the, about the third century under the, during the reign of Roman Emperor Claudius III, or Gothica, Gothicus. And Bishop Valentine was a promoter of Christian marriage. So he was really keen encouraging couples to get together and take on the Christian institution of marriage. But this was highly, highly annoying to the, the emperor because the emperor was, he was uh, trying to get his armies going and he considered marriage quite detrimental to the health of his army. So he was actually quite against the bishop for encouraging marriage because you don't want your soldiers distracted, you know, with marriages and stuff like that. So he is quite against uh, uh, Bishop Valentine. And so February 14th is the day that is remembered that Bishop Valentine was brought before Claudius, tortured and killed. And the rumours go, and this is where the stories go a bit, you know, but it is said that in, when he was in jail, he, uh, Bishop Valentine prayed for the jailer's daughter. She was healed and left her a note from your Valentine, hence we get these Valentine's notes. You can check the history and decide for yourself. But as, I, but as I think about that, I think about, here is this Bishop Valentine, and he has got a choice to make, because he can decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to do what I'm called to do to encourage Christian marriages, but when a king comes along and demands me to do something else... I've got a choice to make. I'm feeling the pressure. Do I choose to follow my King Jesus or do I choose to follow another king? Under pressure, what will he do? And it's a question for us that I want to ask this morning and for me. Under that sort of pressure, how would I, how would I respond? If God is calling me to do something, how would I respond? If God calls me to follow him, how, oh, how would I respond? Hold on. It's God. God, I'm too busy. I'm so sorry. I've got to do a sermon. I'm under pressure. It's all right. I'll just talk to you later. Bye. If God was calling me, would I respond? Mm. But seriously, how do we go under pressure? I'll confess something to you. A couple of years ago, I was in Fiji uh, doing some mission-type stuff, and 
it was a really hot day. We were doing a long drive, and I don't know if this makes sense. I really wanted Twisties and Coke. In fact, everyone in the car, we were just hanging for Coke and Twisties. Don't ask me why. It was refreshing. It was a hot, humid day. Twisties probably doesn't help the Coke did. So we were driving, and we were hanging out to get our Twisties and Coke. Finally, we get to this place that we could pull up for some Twisties and Coke. Got my Twisties and Coke, driving. In the car, I've got... Uh, a pastor's wife, I've got someone who's just committed their life to Jesus, other people, we're driving along, and when you're in a village, you shouldn't cross the double lines, I'm sure no one would, I did, I crossed the double lines, because you get stuck behind this truck, and it's really fast, and anyway, I overtook, and as soon as I did that, you know what I hear, and a cop comes along, pulls us over, and when he pulls us over, you know, I'm thinking, oh no, the fine's probably $400. I said, I can't really afford a fine. What do I do? And the cop is looking in the dashboard. And then he's looking at the, the Coke and Twisties. And he's looking back at me. Looking at the Coke and Twisties. Looking back at me. I'm feeling the pressure. Because I've got a choice to make, don't I? To follow Jesus my King is to admit and pay the fine. But, gee, it'd be easier just to give them the Coke and Twisties, wouldn't it? And do you know what I did? Which I regret. Would you like some Coke and Twisties? It's not cool. The consequences for that is I actually proved to be an awful witness to the people in the back. I actually said no to God. I rejected God in that. I felt the pressure and I rejected God. And I don't know, and I don't tell that story to say how it's so funny. That's not cool. It's really bad. And I wonder for you, for, you know, in daily situations, do we have those times when the pressure is on, we have a choice? Do we pick God as our king? Do we choose another king? Because if we choose another king, there are consequences to choosing that other king. And this is what we're looking at in this story. See, for all of us, we all have these sorts of pressures. And I don't want the sort of pressures that might be the pressure points for you to choose another king. Maybe it's pressures at work. Maybe there's a temptation to cut corners. It's what everyone else does. Business culture says I have to be cutthroat. I don't have to treat people that way. Does the way we're at work put pressure on us to not follow Christ. Maybe there's financial pressure. There's temptation to say, I'm going to do things a little dodgy. I'm not going to seek, how does God want me to spend the money? I'm going to just do things for myself. Maybe it's pressure on your, from your spouse or your kids, constantly saying, you've got to do it like this, you've got to do it like this. And you're feeling that pressure rather than saying, how does God want me to live? Maybe there's pressure on the marriage. Rather than seeking God as king, it's easier to say, I'm going to flirt with that person at work. I'm going to go down the path of an affair. I'm going to look at porn. The pressure's there. Which God will you pick? Maybe it's a pressure on singleness. I'm feeling single. I'm feeling the loneliness. You know what? I really want to date a Christian, but there's none. But there's this really nice person who's not a Christian there, who doesn't believe what I believe, doesn't have the same king as me. They're there. Maybe I'll choose that person. Or pr the pressures of stress, where do you turn? Or maybe there's a pressure to be perfect all of the time. You try harder and harder. 
when we're under pressure, we look for another king. In fact, we build our lives with structures and things to help us to make it okay to have another king apart from Jesus. But if we are followers of Jesus, we're called, when we're under pressure, to choose the king. And this is what we're going to see in the passage. Have a look. At the end of chapter 7, if you get to read it, Israel is in a great place. Samuel as we've been hearing about the last couple of weeks, is the judge. He's in charge. And he is doing his job of calling Israel back to, him, back to God. He's doing his job of, of being that intermediary. And Israel is going really well. Uh, he, Samuel is there. He's traveling around. He's, he's judging cases. Israel is in a great place. They have peace with the Amorites. They're worshiping God alone. And God is protecting their borders from the Philistines. They're on their doorstep, but God's protecting them. But as the seasons change, the pressure rises. Because the Philistines are getting stronger, Samuel is getting old. His time is coming. And he's wondering, what do I do? So what does he do? He, set, he gets his sons, and he sets them up as judges, maybe to try them out, test them out. He puts them down in the equivalent of Tasmania, down in Beersheba. So they're away from him for a bit, and they start, you know, taking on a taking on a role, priestly role, judging down there. But it turns out, as we saw in the passage, they are corrupt. They're dodgy. Sort of makes us think of Eli's sons a bit. These are, they're not doing a good job. They are taking bribes. They are doing things that aren't up to scratch. These are guys are not, these are not the young guys that you want taking over the leadership of the country. Samuel knows this. The people, the elders know this. They see this happening. There's pressure rising. Who is going to lead our country? And now we're facing this increased threat from the Philistines. And let's talk about the Philistines because they are growing in power. Let me say they have the best army. They have ballistic missiles, stealth bombers, hypersonic drones. They have the best weapons. Okay, they don't have those things. They have iron. The, the Philistine army had stone and wood, and now the, sorry, the Israelite army had stone and wood, most of their weapons, but the Philistines, much more advanced. They have iron, they have metallurgists, they know how to fashion it, they know how to use it. There is this big threat coming to Israel, and the pressure is mounting. Who should they put their trust in? And what happens is, the elders get together and say, we've got to do something about this, what are we going to do? They gather, they all come down to Ramah, where Samuel lives. And uh, you can imagine being there, you know, it's like everyone coming, you know, there's the, the, there's the Kiwis and there's the Western Australians and, you know, everyone's coming together, the elders from Dan, Naphtali, all these places, they're coming together and they're going to ask, who do we put our trust in? Are we going to put our trust in God? Because God's looked after us. Look at our history. Look at the last number of years under Samuel. God has fought our battles. He's looked after us. Are we going to trust in God to choose a leader? No. They come to Samuel, and they want to choose another king. They say to him, Samuel, you're old. Your sons do not follow your ways. Appoint a king to lead us, just like all the other nations have. Now, Samuel is displeased. He is really cut about this. Probably, how could he not take it personally? Because he's been their judge, he's been their leader under God for so many years, and now at the end of his life, they're saying, you know, we don't want anyone like you anymore. 
But Samuel is a, is a pretty godly guy, and I suspect more than it hit him personally, it just displeased him because he recognises what the people are saying. They are saying, we want to let go of the special relationship that we have with God. Israel was established to be not like other nations. Israel was established to be a nation, to be a light to other nations, to be a, a, a nation of priests. And their leaders were raised up by God. That was how it worked. God would raise up the leaders. God called Abraham. God called Moses in a bush. All of their history as their leaders through judges, God is raising up you know, people uh, himself. Now they're saying, we don't want that anymore, God. We don't want you to raise up our leaders. We'll do it ourselves. We'll set up a hereditary system. And because that's gone so well. The people are saying, basically, we want a whole other new constitution. That whole vibe thing of the constitution. Get rid of that. It's like us saying, do you know what? We want to give up democracy. Let's become communist. It's a whole change in constitution. It's not the first time it's happened. Um, the people said this to Gideon. He's like, no way, Jose. Not, my sons aren't going to rule. God is our ruler. But the people are coming back to Samuel again and demanding a king. Now, king's not a bad thing in itself. Moses even said, yeah, you might guys might get a king one day, but it would be a king that God would choose. The people are saying, we want a king on our timing. We're not going to wait for God's timing. We need a king. We figured all this out. We're under pressure. We know what we need. We need a king. And wouldn't that be attractive? There's, there's good things about a, a king. A king, you know, if we've got a king, we can be just like everybody else, just like the other nations. Uh, you know, maybe they're thinking about the Philistines. You know, there's a big threat. We need to match that threat. Who do we need? A king. And a king can lead us. We can get a king. We can control that king. He won't control us. We'll control that king. We can be in charge. And a king is visible, not like God. Isn't it easy to trust in somebody you can see rather than someone you can't see? We want a king we can see. And it's going to be more stable because we don't have to worship God anymore. We just delegate that all to the king. They do all that. You know, we can relax. It's cool. You know, less work, less responsibility. And this king is going to be like the other nations. He's going to fight our battles for us. We don't have to do it anymore. We just let him do it. When the pressure is on, the Israelites are saying, we don't want, to, we don't want God to lead us anymore. We've got our own solution. We're looking around. We want to be like the others, maybe like those Philistines. We want to be like them to overcome them. And so Samuel prays. And what is God, what's God's response? It's not you they're rejecting but me. Does this sound familiar? God's people have always rejected God. It's a, it's a, it's a habit. It's a dependable habit. Happened in uh, coming out of Egypt. They complained through the desert. Happens through Judges. Happens through Samuel. Even Jesus warned about it to his disciples. In Luke 10, Jesus says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And we reject God, don't we? Even us today, when the pressure is on, rather than choosing God, we can reject God. But there are consequences. If we reject God, there are consequences to that. And God spells out to Samuel, Samuel passes on to people, here are the consequences. Consequences. If you choose, if you reject me as king and have your own king, here's what's going to happen. 
that king is going to conscript all your sons into the army. And your sons are your retirement plan. So he's going to take away your retirement plan, take away your superannuation. And your kids are going to work in his, they're not gonna, his fields. They're not going to work in your fields. They're going to work in his fields. And he's going to send them to your factories. He's going to make them uh, develop arms, all that sort of stuff. But he's not just going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters too. And that's going to make them really vulnerable. This king is going to take, take, take. He's going to take your best land. He's going to come into your area. He's going to find the best land. He's going to take it for himself. He's going to set up his own crops. He's going to set up his own homes and buildings in the best land. You are going to get the scrap. Not only that, he's giving himself the key to your wine cellar. He's giving himself the key to your bank account, your PIN code. So he can just go in there, take everything you want anytime he wants on a regular basis. Not only that, he's going to take the workers. All those people you've trained up, you've spent years developing so that they know how to do the work, he's taking them as well. He's going to take the best ones. Not only that, he's going to take away your supermarkets as well. He's taken all that. He's taking away your food source, cattle, your beef. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know what I'm saying. This king is going to come, and he's going to take, 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 take. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? If you trust in this king, there's going to be consequences. He's going to tax you to the hilt. Is this what you want? Because if it is, go ahead. But if you trust this king, and this happens, and you cry out to me for relief, don't think I'm going to answer you. This is my warning to you now. When we don't follow God, there's consequences. This is the warning to some, it's a warning for us. And who does Israel choose? Do they consider it? Do they go, oh God, good, good advice, let me pray over it, consider that, make a response? Do they even listen? They're so set in their ways, it's like the original cancer culture. Samuel, go away. We don't want your advice. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. We want to be like the other nations. We want a king to lead us and go out and fight our battles. When the pressure is on, who do they choose? Not God, another king. And there's consequences. And it's a lesson for us this morning. When we don't choose God, we choose another king. And when we do that, there'll be consequences. And we all have this pressure, don't we, to not choose God. The pressure is on us. And this week, I encourage us, when you're going through the week, the pressure is on and you'll have a choice. In this situation, am I going to choose God's way or am I going to choose another king? When the pressure is on, are we going to lean in and pray to God we're going to call our friends around to pray and ask for wisdom. Are we going to search God's word? How do I respond to this? Or are we going to choose to reject God? We're going to say, you know what? I know better on this. Are we going to say, you know what? I know what I should do, but look, I really want this. You know what? My heart's already set on this. Do I just run ahead with my hard heart? Do I not even ask the question? Or do I look up to God, my King, and say, I'm going to put my trust in you. What happens when we're under pressure? 
when we're under pressure at work to cut corners, do we say, no, I'm going to follow God, my King? When we're under financial pressure, money pressure, and times like this, many of us are, are we going to pray and seek God? I, who is my provision? Where does my provision come from? When there's pressure from your kids, pressure from your spouse, are we going to put our trust in them for our goodness and our happiness? Are we going to put our trust in Jesus? If there's pressure on our marriage, are we going to turn to an affair or to pornography, or are we going to turn to Christ? There's a pressure of stress. Are we going to turn to the drink? Are we going to turn to relying on God? When we're feeling the pressure to be perfect, are we going to turn to ourselves to try harder and harder? We're going to trust in Jesus. Do we put pressure on institutions or leaders or the church to make us feel secure? Or are we coming to our king and saying, no, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to trust in you. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching and you're asking the question, I'm feeling the pressure of life, but I've been thinking about Christ. This is a choice. It's a choice to say, am I going to choose God as king or am I going to choose another king? And there's consequences. There's consequences to choosing Jesus as king. He's going to work on you. It's going to be difficult. He's asking you to follow you. But there's also consequences for not choosing Jesus as king. Jesus wants to get in your heart. He wants you to know the full life, the love, the peace, the eternal life. You can choose Jesus and have that. Or you can choose not to follow Jesus and not to have that. This is the choice. And we, as a church, have this pressure too. We have the pressures all around us as a church to say, who are we going to choose? You know, we have the pressure of COVID. We have the pressure of finding a new leader. We even have the pressure of finances and stuff. You know, it'd be easy for us to say, we're not going to invite compassion to come along. We're not going to see what does God want to do. There is pressure for us to not share the gospel. There's pressure for us to not hold out the truth. There's pressure for us not to, to, to give in to changing cultural issues. How do we respond? Will we say we want to just be like everyone else, like the other nations? Do we want to be like the other nations or do we want to be a light to the nations? Who are we as a church? When the pressure is on, we are called to choose God as king. We're we're called to follow. And who are we to follow? We're to follow Jesus. We can follow Jesus who is our king who is faithful. And remember, Jesus is our model. I just think of that time in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was under great pressure. He had a choice. Do I choose to go God's way or do I choose my own way? I'm so glad Jesus chose to follow God because if Jesus didn't follow God to the cross, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have our sins forgiven. We wouldn't know what it is to have relationship with Christ. There were consequences to Jesus not, there would have been consequences to Jesus not following God. And I'm thank, so thankful to God that he did that. So as this week, here's the encouragement. We're going to face the pressures of life. Stuff's going to come. I bet you're thinking about the pressures that you're under. Here's the choice. Who are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to follow God as king? Or are we going to choose to follow another king and face the consequences? I ask us this week to stop, pray, God. 
Help me to choose you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. God, we know in the daily life the pressures come on all of us. Father, we have a choice to make when that, we feel that pressure. Who are we going to choose? Are we going to choose you as our king? Or are we going to choose to follow another king? Father, I pray that you would give us your spirit. I pray that you give us your strength to stop and say, you know what? May not always make sense, may be hard, but I'm, we're going to choose God as king. Enable us to do that, Lord, to set our eyes on Jesus, the awesome king that we are called to follow. In his name we pray. Amen.